Welcome to our Christmas episode of Luke and Weekly. At Christ's birth, God's promise of salvation began its fulfillment, and the transition between Old Testament and New Testament had begun. The shepherds, having seen that fulfillment, went and shared the good news with the people of the Jewish community of Bethlehem. And that message continues to be shared today. The Messiah has come, and his name is Jesus. While you won't necessarily find shepherds running around Bethlehem today proclaiming that message, you will find the Apple of His Eye Mission Society telling the good news to the Jewish people. And we have Steve Cohen, director of Apple of His Eye, to tell us about God's work through them. Then stay tuned for a Christmas Eve suggestion of the week and a Christmas tech tip. The birth of Christ that we celebrate this week is a sign of peace on earth, but at the same time as we hear arguments over Happy Holidays versus Merry Christmas, we know that the month of December is a divisive time, and saying Chrismica doesn't fix anything. Today we have Steve Cohen from Apple of His Eye Mission Society, a Missouri Synod Jewish Evangelism Organization. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, and shalom. Could you first give us some insight into the general Jewish perception of Christianity? Well, I... I think you'd have to ask each person uh, individually because there's a whole spectrum of reaction and response. Okay. Uh, on the uh, far uh, left end, if you will, uh, you find some who don't acknowledge that Jesus ever lived. The New Testament is a hoax and a myth, and it's all just fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you move up the continuum, you have those who acknowledge that Jesus lived but was not somebody we acknowledge as a good guy. Uh, there are those who acknowledge Jesus was a rabbi. Uh, some who say Jesus was the greatest teacher uh, who ever lived at all, but not the Messiah. And then there's a small segment of the Jewish population of Jewish believers in Jesus, like myself, who confess Jesus is Lord and Savior. He is uh, God who came down to this earth, who died for our sins, and who rose from the dead. I think for each person, you have to, um, you can't presume just because you know a person's background what their stand is. Each person really needs to be asked individually what it is they think of Jesus, and then start from there. Okay, that's that's an important point. And that kind of leads into the next question, and this seems like a no-brainer to me, but it's an important question nonetheless. Do Jewish people need to believe in Jesus for salvation? Well, um, it depends on who you ask. If you ask the rabbis today, the answer would be no. Uh, that uh, being Jewish is adequate or enough, and that uh, all we really need to do is be good people, uh, and that uh, at the end of days we'll be held accountable for our life, and uh, even the worst uh, uh, of the Jewish people will not spend eternity in some place called hell, but would only be punished for up to a year, and then they're restored to the Garden of Eden or the bosom of Abraham. Hmm. But the Bible is very clear. The Bible speaks of... um, a time in the future where there will be a day of judgment and we'll all be held accountable and some will receive uh, uh, everlasting life and others will receive everlasting shame and contempt. That's not a New Testament statement, by the way. That's found in the prophet Daniel in the 12th chapter. Hmm. And Daniel, I think, was uh, articulating something that's very important that most people kind of uh, let slide today. There really is life after this life and there really are two different destinations a place where things will be good and a place where things will be not so good. In the New Testament, we find Jesus making a very stark claim. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Unfortunately, it seems that the way most uh, Christians are living today, they want to ignore that because they aren't sharing their faith with others. They just presume that people will be okay and somehow they will get there. But Jesus 
commanded us to go and to bring this good news to others. It's a joy and a privilege to be able to do so. Uh, still, at the same time, there are those in light of the Holocaust and those who have moved away from a literal interpretation of Scripture who claim that because the Jewish people are the chosen people, they therefore are already in a covenant relationship with God and by virtue of that relationship have somehow merited salvation. That's just not true, but a lot of people are buying into that today and we pray that uh, through the efforts of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod and groups like Apple of His Eye, we might help people come back to the the, the reality. Life is precious and eternal life uh, um, is something that we almost uh, receive as a gift, not something we can earn. It's also important to note with that that and the God of the Old Testament is the same God as the God of the New Testament, and that the people of the Old Testament were saved by grace through the sacrifice of Christ the same way that we are. Absolutely. And so how do Jewish families typically react to a family member becoming a Christian? I've seen whole families come to faith as a result of one family member who has made a profession of faith. I've seen families who have uh, given funerals and just about everywhere in between. Really? Again, there's no typical reaction. Jesus himself indicated that there would be tension between family members who do come to faith, and uh, mankind hasn't changed uh, in terms of our nature from his day to this day. There's still those same kinds of struggles. And For many Jewish people, the bigger issue when considering matters of faith today are not the theological issues. That is, is Jesus the Messiah? Did he fulfill the Messianic prophecies? The bigger issues are sociological. What is it that, will fam that family and friends will say, think, or do? What will my rabbi say? How will I be perceived within the Jewish community? And sometimes those sociological pressures weigh heavily on considerations in terms of matters of faith. We need to help people understand uh, that what God did was send his son for the whole world but we can't be responsible for what other people think of our faith. All we can do is affirm faith and pray that others might be willing to consider what it is we've received. That leads into my next question. How can someone, and this is probably a matter in, in somewhat of terminology, but how can someone be Jewish and Christian at the same time? You know, that's a very interesting question. I think if we go back to the Bible, we really find a Struggle. And in the book of Acts, the struggle was not, can Jewish people be Christian? But the struggle was, can Gentiles believe in Jesus and remain Gentile? That is, not become Jewish. And the early followers of Jesus were almost all Jewish. The norm was for Jewish people to be followers of Jesus because he came as Messiah. That's where the, the meaning the anointed one. The words Christ and Messiah, most people, of course, know are the same, one from the Hebrew, the other from the Greek. But when he came, he came first to the Jewish people, and eventually Gentiles were grafted in. The early church argued among themselves, what do we do with these Gentiles? Is it okay for a Gentile to believe in Jesus without first becoming Jewish? And it was revealed through the Holy Spirit in the 15th chapter of Acts, good news for the Gentiles. Men don't have to become circumcised. They don't have to keep the dietary laws. They don't have to follow the 613 commandments. Gentiles can remain in their uh, uh, their way, if you will, and follow Jesus 
just as Jewish people can remain Jewish. The problem is today that the church is so Gentile-oriented, if you will, that when a Jewish person comes to faith and wishes to become involved in a worshiping community, basically people say, well, you've got to stop doing these things and become more like us. And that's why some of the Jewish leaders today uh, try to uh, warn Jewish people toward, against considering matters of Jesus because for them, becoming a believer in Jesus is tantamount to becoming a Gentile rather than understanding that a Christian is either a Jew or a Gentile who by faith receives God's gift of salvation. Okay. Now, that raises an interesting question. How would a church service specifically for Christian Jews or Messianic Jews differ from one made specifically for, for instance, Saxon Germans? Well, you're talking culture and and, and language and terminology and and heritage at this point. Mm -hmm. And just as uh, um, uh, we have liberty to design different kinds of settings, uh, uh, there is a a history of, um, for example, a festival cycle. In a Messianic congregation, uh, uh, the festival cycle would be the biblical cycle rather than the church year cycle that people would use. The biblical cycle begins in the springtime with Passover, uh, followed by the eight days of unleavened bread and then the Feast of First Fruits. That was a harvest festival. Mm-hmm. Fifty days later, there would be um, uh, uh, the Feast of Pentecost or, or uh, Shavuot, uh, which was an agricultural festival and later came to be a time of commemorating the giving of the law to Moses in Mount Sinai. In the fall, we would move to the high holidays of Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. This year is 5,766, according to the Jewish calendar. Ten days later, Yom Kippur. And five days after that, it would be the Feast of Tabernacles, or booths. Another Let's Go Up to Jerusalem festival, where uh, portions of the harvest would be brought to the temple to replenish the storehouses. In December, uh, um, we would have Hanukkah, uh, the Feast of Lights, and this year Hanukkah begins on Christmas Day. And then later in the year, you would have Purim, reflecting on God's deliverance through the story of the book of Esther. The cycle of festivals would include the Sabbath. Worship would take place perhaps on Friday night or Saturday as opposed to Sunday. Bar mitzvahs would be included. And I think What really would be central to all of these things is that each facet of these biblical festivals and holidays portrays some facet of the work of the Messiah. We today can help confess that Jesus is the Messiah and show fulfillment of these things. For some, fulfillment means done away with, but that's not what Jesus said. He said he came to fulfill the law, not to do away with the law. And so for us, he kept the law perfectly. Our standing is found in him. And we have then the liberty to be able to express ourselves using traditional culture and manners that uh, reflect our heritage. You mentioned Hanukkah, and um, as you said, it begins on the evening of December 25th, Christmas Day. Um, Most calendars will show it beginning on the 26th. Um, So how should Christians, whether Jew or Gentile, view Hanukkah? There's so much debate about it nowadays. Well, the festival of Hanukkah is like Passover and uh, like Purim, a remembering festival, if you will. It's a time of looking back how the oppressors of the children of God who worshipped 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, how the oppressors sought to stop their worship, stop worshiping the one true God, how Antiochus Epiphanes tried to claim himself as being God, how he caused the desecration of the temple through the sacrifice of a pig on the altar, how he caused images of himself to be uh, placed inside the Holy of Holies, uh, uh, where there are no images whatsoever of, of who God is. This desecration and this attempt to cause a cessation of uh, biblical worship was uh, brought about a revolt, a time in which a small band fought against a large army. And over a three-year period, God brought the victory. When the temple was to be re-cleansed and rededicated, and the word Hanukkah means to dedicate, as the uh, worship uh, was ready once again, only a sufficient quantity of oil was found to last for one day to keep the menorah burning. Jewish tradition maintains that the oil lasted for eight days, the time it would take for people to travel to secure proper oil and bring it back up to Jerusalem. And in Hebrew, uh, it is said at this season, Neskadol Hayashom. A great miracle happened then. Well, whether this miracle did or didn't happen, we don't have recorded in the Bible, but the tradition um, remains down to this day, so that at Hanukkah, lights are lit each night. One candle the first night, two the second, through the eight nights of Hanukkah. Today, Hanukkah has devolved into a time also of gift exchanging. It wasn't always that way, but when Jewish children saw the presents that the Gentile children received at Christmas, they complained to their parents, and eventually uh, um, culture yielded, and today we have gift exchanges hmm. on the eight days of Hanukkah also. So really, uh, Hanukkah, even uh, to, as, as Christians look at it, even as, as Gentile Christians look at it, we can, uh, in a age that is where there are many secular pressures on us to and attempts to uh, put down the uh, mention and worship of the true God, uh, it's it's still very applicable today to remember that God is there for his people and, and rescues us and will not let the gates of hell overtake his church. The only biblical reference for Hanukkah in all of in the whole Bible is found in the Gospel of John, in the 10th chapter, starting at verse 22. Jesus was at Solomon's uh, uh, colonnade at the Temple of Jerusalem. It was winter, it was Hanukkah, and the Jewish leaders confronted him with what I like to call the Hanukkah question. They asked, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Unfortunately today, most Jewish people are not asking that question of Hanukkah. Is he the Messiah? That question has really been resolved by the Jewish leaders, and everybody else has just sort of fallen into lockstep. But they've done so without really being biblically literate or honestly considering the case for who Jesus is. Most Jewish people today are not familiar with the New Testament stories, have not read the New Testament, and for that matter are probably biblically illiterate of the Old Testament stories too, and that surprises a lot of Christians. Hmm. Yeah. There is a mis mis misperception on the part of many Christians today that Jewish people have a vast biblical knowledge, and therefore they don't take the initiative to try to share because they feel that they just don't know enough. If you make an assumption that 
most people know very little or next to nothing, you're probably closer to the truth in most cases today. So are there specific aspects of Christianity that might particularly appeal to Jewish Christians that Gentile Christians might just take for granted? That's a hard question. As I think about it, many Jewish believers in Jesus today who are involved in, for example, churches like Missouri Synod, one of the reasons that I appreciated Missouri Synod worship or Lutheran worship is that it is liturgical in its format. Jewish worship is very much liturgical. In fact, where did this worship come from that we have? It comes from the Psalms. Right. It comes from the scriptures, the music, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me today, to walk into a setting that is liturgical is very familiar rather than very foreign. What seems foreign oftentimes, though, for Jewish people who are involved in, for example, Lutheran congregations, are some of the cultural customs, if you will, that have been mixed in. The sausage suppers don't seem to fit, don't seem so kosher. <laughs> Worship on Sunday as opposed to Friday night or Saturday seems different. Short services, an hour long, uh, uh, as opposed to the four-hour service on the Sabbath. If you will, the, um, the music in, in a major mode as opposed to being in a minor mode. The lack of use of any Hebrew throughout the service. There are a lot of things that are, you know, preferences, for example, just as you have different denominations, uh, so Jewish people have different preferences in terms of worship settings. But I think for the most part today, it's important in the church to recognize there are still some issues that yet really do need to be resolved on a generation-by-generation generation basis, and one of those issues is anti-Semitism. There is still some latent anti-Semitism even within our churches today. And uh, many Jewish people uh, uh, sense that when people continue to maintain attitudes against Jewish people or prejudices or stereotypes about Jewish people. Um, I'll never forget uh, uh, one congregation I spoke at many years ago. Uh, I was speaking with one of the youth groups and one of the children runs right up to me and stops and, and gives a salute and says, Heil Hitler, and, and turns and walks away. And, and not really understanding the horrors and the atrocities that took place against the Jewish people. But still today there are some who think that the Jewish people really should be removed from the face of this earth. haven't personally experienced that. I guess I'm thankful for that. Yes. Well, you're familiar with Martin Luther's comments about the Jewish people, I'm presuming. Yeah, yeah, that I am. Uh, you know, in 1543, he wrote that the um, uh, uh, a treatise called On the Jews and Their Lies, found in volume 47 of Luther's works. Uh, and in that treatise, he calls for the destruction of the synagogues and the burning of the writings of the rabbis and the forcing of young people into labor camps. And while I don't believe there is a direct link, people will emotionally feel that there is one. Sure by claiming that what Luther said in 1543, Hitler tried to complete in 1943. On the other hand, uh, um, what some Jewish leaders try to do today is to use propaganda in the Jewish community so that Jewish people won't listen to a witness from a Gentile or from a Christian by claiming that while Hitler tried to commit physical genocide, Messianic groups like the Apple of Zion or Christian missionaries try to complete spiritual genocide. For the rabbis teach that a Jewish person who believes in Jesus somehow is no longer Jewish. Well, that's just not true. God didn't change his mind. I was born Jewish, I will die Jewish. 
when I received God's gift of salvation, I didn't turn from being Jewish. I turned by God's grace from sin to receive his gift of salvation. Faith, for me, is a fulfillment of being Jewish, not a denial. So, are there any stories that you'd like to share from your experiences in Jewish evangelism? Stories? I have lots. I, I guess it would be important to understand that for many Jewish people like myself, family really does matter. When I came to faith in 1973, I wanted my whole family to believe as I did. But eventually, I learned some of the realities. My brother, uh, who first heard the gospel, confessed Jesus after two hours. My parents at first thought I was a fad I would outgrow, but eventually they disowned me, telling me they never wanted to see me again. And I was cut off from my family for a 15-year period until... My father attempted suicide because of cancer, and I presented myself at their doorstep. They welcomed me back into the home for six months under the condition that I not speak of Jesus. Even on my father's deathbed, I was not allowed to, at his side, open up uh, the Bible and share with him. I had uh, uh, much to do um, uh, in, in terms of Jewishians, but I couldn't reach my own father. Fortunately, he did come to faith. Uh, three days before he passed away, because one person, uh, my cousin Susan, took the initiative to introduce him to the Gospel of John and help him see God. And uh, uh, I, I know today that I'll spend eternity with my dad. My mom, on the other hand, her name is Barbara Cohen, continues to keep the door closed. It's another 15 years since my last communication with her. I would covet your prayers for her, because even though I'm the leader of Jewish missions for the Missouri Synod, I can't reach my own mom. Oh, that must be really hard. Yep. I should back up a little bit and um, ask you to tell us a little bit about your background in Jewish evangelism and mm -hmm. also a bit about Apple of His Eye. Well, I've been a believer in Jesus since 1973. I came to faith uh, because a Gentile Christian layman who was Lutheran took the initiative to personally approach me with the gospel and introduced me to a Jewish book my rabbi didn't want me to read. And that Jewish book was the New Testament. Through his prayers and witness and through the reading of God's word, I came to faith and dedicated myself to the telling of the gospel to our people. Uh, and this is now my 30th year as a full-time missionary among the Jewish people. Really? The first 20 years were spent with Jews for Jesus, and the last 10 were with the Apple of His Eye that we founded in 1996. Apple of His Eye began as a Lutheran initiative to do two things. Equip the church for telling the gospel to Jewish people and provide a bold, creative, and direct outreach ourselves, letting people know that you can be Jewish and believe in Jesus at the same time. I've written about a hundred different gospel tracts. We've handed out about a half a million of them since we began ten years ago. We have uh, annual short-term mission events where we seek to um, train people from different congregations so they in turn can, uh, uh, can bring their message uh, uh, back uh, to the congregation. Apple of Azai has, uh, we've helped to start uh, new mission stations in Los Angeles and Houston, St. Louis, New York City, and Moscow. We're praying about uh, opening new ministries in Brazil. I'm talking with uh, people in Northern Illinois District to uh, do something in the Chicagoland area, and also we're looking to uh, do ministry in Israel. This summer, 
Uh, we're planning a short-term mission event in New York City, and we'd like to welcome pastors and lay people to participate along with us. It's a way to really get your feet wet. We consider these training events an evangelism boot camp. It's not a lecture on how to, but it's hands-on, and uh, it's a way for people to overcome their initial fears of sharing their faith with others and uh, at the same time develop uh, some skills in terms of planning what, what they might be able to do in their own local community to be able to reach out to others. We do make ourselves available to speak in congregations. I'm personally in about 40 churches a year um, all around North America, and uh, our presentations focus on uh, biblical festivals in their season of year. Now we're concentrating, of course, on Hanukkah and showing, you know, Jesus' ties to each of these festivals. The presentations we do afford the congregation an opportunity to experience a messianic service. We have that on our website that people use. And at the same time, it gives the community a chance to, or to invite their Jewish friends in, meet the pastor in the congregation, and understand as they hear from somebody Jewish how you can be Jewish and believe in Jesus at the same time. We have uh, different books that uh, we've written on uh, sharing your faith with Jewish people. Um, we publish a free monthly newsletter uh, that uh, we would uh, be happy to send to your listeners. And uh, they can communicate with us uh, through our website or uh, through my email, which is scinfl at aol.com. Sounds like Steve Cohen in Fort Lauderdale. But uh, we moved from Fort Lauderdale, so now it's Steve Cohen in St. Louis. Uh, or our website is um, appleofhiseye.org. And we are a faith mission. We welcome the support of individuals and congregations. Uh, as a faith mission, each of our missionaries raises their own support. And uh, for Christians who see the need and urgency to include Jewish people in the mission of the church, we would welcome uh, their prayers their volunteering, and their support to help us uh, conduct our ministry. Okay, if people want to get involved, email you, call you, get information from the website. Mm -hmm. okay. They can reach us toll-free. Uh, our toll-free number is 888-51-APPLE. So that's also if a church wants to have you come and share uh, one of your right. presentations. That's I've, right. I've personally seen the uh, Passover uh, Seder presentation. And it was fascinating, just amazing. I, I highly recommend uh, that one from personal experience, and I'm sure that the other ones are equally fascinating. It's just, it's tremendous. One of the things that's always fascinated me about the Bible is just reading through the Old Testament and seeing how all these different places that talk about Jesus, and um, and so to see it even in the in in Jewish customs and traditions, even things that extend outside of, you know, straight from Scripture. Uh, it's, it's just really fascinating to see that faith in the Messiah as it has uh, developed through um, through those traditions. Absolutely. Projects we're working on, I am working on a podcast uh, that we hope to have out in the next few weeks called Seiko and Emmas. That's a Yiddish for common sense and truth and we're looking through messianic music and humor and personal stories to encourage Christians in the sharing of their faith and encourage Jewish people to consider Yeshua, the Jewish way to say Jesus. Um, we're planning our outreaches for next year, and right now plans are for New York City, South Florida. We're going to participate in an outreach with Jews for Jesus in February. 
And uh, in August, we're looking to conduct some outreaches in St. Petersburg and Moscow. And uh, uh, we are an equal opportunity involver. You don't have to be Jewish to participate with the apple of his eye. We believe God loves the Gentiles. After all, he must, well, he made so many of them. And we welcome those who have a heart for seeing those who are lost brought to a saving. What advice would you offer them in sharing the love of Jesus with their friends? Be prayerful. Be willing to speak. Start with questions like, what do you think of Jesus? Invite them to read for themselves. I encourage people to lend them a copy of the book of Matthew. Uh, and then invite them to read and give their perspective. I, su I suggest they say something like this. I know that you're Jewish, and this is a Jewish book. Would you help me see through your Jewish eyes what you think of this Jewish book? Most people today really have never considered what's in the New Testament, so it's a brand new story for them. It may also be wise to sit down with them and show them the uh, movie The Passion of the Christ as a way of showing the importance of uh, sin and its effect in our lives and uh, the magnitude of God's love by sending his son to die for us. But in all of these things, be available to others. Far too often today we think that it's just simply a witness or a sermon that makes the difference. But in reality, people are looking for community and fellowship and relationships and care and concern. And to the extent that we can be available to others, that too shows the love of Christ. Do you also have additional uh, resources and information on your website? Yes. Uh, we have a, a bookstore on our website. Some of the books that I've written are extensive in terms of uh, how to share your faith. We do also offer a Jewish evangelism seminar that we can bring to congregations around the country. It goes for about four hours, and the seminar gives a good overview of telling the gospel to Jewish people. When I do visit churches to speak or when other of our, our other missionaries go, usually we will speak during the worship service, and if there is not an overlapping service, and there's a Bible class. We use the Bible class time for a shortened version of that How to Witness seminar um, as, as an interactive forum for telling the gospel to Jewish people. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add? I'm thankful that the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has taken the bold stand of saying that God's word is literally true, sticking to their guns, and are willing to say that all people need the gospel and not exclude a group of people such as my people. At the same time, as I mentioned about anti-Semitism earlier, I think there's something else we really do need to consider, and that is in some ways the highest form of anti-Semitism today are not the overt acts or the prejudices that are expressed, but the silence by the church with the gospel towards my people. If Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life, but we are not telling others about him, how will people hear and be able to respond in faith? I believe we need to take courage and initiative so that others like me will have a chance to hear the message before it's too late. Of the 13 million Jewish people who live worldwide today, 99% are unsaved. There is a pressing, urgent need for mission work. We want to engage in that and partner with Christians we're willing to do the same. Together we can make a difference. I know. I'm a believer in Jesus today because one Lutheran layman took the initiative to pray and to share his faith personally and to help me see that Jesus is the Messiah. Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much for your comments. My privilege. God's blessings to you. And at this Hanukkah season, send a card and tell people that Jesus is the light of the world. God's peace to you. And to you. All righty. Shalom. Bye-bye.
And now it's time for the product, the product suggestion, suggestion of, the of the week. A lot of families travel on Christmas, and most vehicles have CD players. It would be great to have an audio Christmas special with Christmas-related stories and music. Think like the old variety shows from the 70s and their Christmas specials, but an audio version. You could sell it, but make it cheap enough or give copy permission so churches can make copies for all their members. Families can get it out each year to listen to on the way to Grandma's house or wherever they're going. If you videotape your services, consider this. Record your Christmas Eve service and make a DVD from it. Among the extras, you can include MP3s of the choir singing, now watch copyright on distribution, make sure you have permission, a videotaped personal message from your pastor or others, photos of church events, a PowerPoint presentation about your congregation, or better yet, about the gospel that's exported as a movie, or many other options. Hang it on your neighbor's doors before New Year's, or save it to distribute around the beginning of next Advent. A cheaper option would be just to make a video CD of the service, and just distribute it. And with both of those, you want to include information about service times and a gospel message. Well, that closes the book on another Lutheran Weekly. Remember that you can post comments on our forums at lcmspastor.com slash forum and ask questions of upcoming guests. Your questions will be read on the air during the interview. If you'd like to leave a voicemail to be aired on the show, you may call 206-339-7909 to leave a message. Thank you, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.